Anyway, we would like to welcome everybody out today as I pull up my notes. And welcome to 2018. It's a very exciting time. Um, 2018 is here. And for those of you who were not here last Sunday night, we announced our theme for the year here at Greater Alton. We do that every year where we choose a theme and kind of give the church focus and uh, things we want the church to do, how we want the church to grow. And this year we took a little bit different twist. The theme comes from Colossians chapter 1, uh, specifically in verse 9, but we're going to be paying attention to the whole chapter this year and using it as a, as a to guide our way through the year. And so we encourage you to uh, read Colossians 1 on your own, if you haven't already. Um, maybe even read it more than once. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, be an overachiever. Um, but the theme is from verse 9, where Paul, the Apostle Paul, who's never met the Colossian church, he's only heard about them, as he says in the, in the first few verses, but he's heard about their faith and their love and the fact that they've grabbed a hold of the true message of the Gospel and the hope that's contained in that, and that's where their faith and their love springs from. And then he goes on, he says, because of that, I've got this prayer I want to pray for you. And what he has to say, he says, we continue, in verse 9, he says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And as we looked at that, we go, you know, that's something we would like for Greater Alton. We would like, number one, Greater Alton to be known for our faith and for our love. But also, we would like it to, the, the Greater Alton Church to be filled with the knowledge of God's will through the wisdom and understanding that His Spirit gives. And as we looked at this and as we talked about this, we decided we didn't want to just present you a theme and say, here it is, you know, live with it. We wanted to present a theme that you could make personal for yourself. And so that's the way we've, we came up with the theme this year, is we want, we are presenting the theme to you for you to grab a hold of. If you don't, that's your choice. But what we just came up with the theme is, is fill me. We want that to be the theme at Greater Alton this year. We want you to pray this prayer for yourself. That's what we want to put out there. And the verses that follow uh, the, the, this opening sentence of his prayer, he talks about so that you can please the Lord in, in every way. So you can live a life worthy of the Lord. And, and bear fruit in every good work. And a number of other things that we look at and we go, that should be the desire for any follower of Jesus. And so guys, we want to put it back, put it out there to you. For some of you that maybe go, great, I'll grab a hold of that. I'll I'm already doing that, but I'll take it to another level. Others of you, may, it may be a time to recommit. Time to look at your life and say, you know, hey, the beginning of the year, let's, let's do that. I want to pray that prayer. I want to be filled with the knowledge of God's will through the wisdom and understanding that comes from His Spirit. And so guys, we, that's our, our theme for the year is fill me. And we hope, we ask, that you grab a hold of that and you make it personal for yourselves. Now also with regards to that theme, um, <clears throat> Paul's prayer in verse 9, he starts out and he says, for this reason. Well, for what reason? Well, for what he just talked about in the previous five verses. That's why I encourage you to read the whole chapter. But he talks about that he's heard about the church at Colossae, and he's heard about their faith and their love for all of God's people. And he's commending them for this, and he tells them this faith and love spring 
from the hope in, held out in the true message of the Gospel. You see, guys, if you want to have faith in God and you want to, to love people, an understanding of the Gospel is vital to that. And so we made a decision that we're going to spend the first six weeks here on Sunday mornings looking at the Gospel. Talking about the true message of the Gospel. Now, when I look at a room this size, some of you may go, well, I already got it. Okay, I understand you think that way. I understand you feel that way. Some of you may look at that and go, well, this is like a Gospel meeting where it's just for those guests who aren't Christians yet. No, it's not. <laughs> okay? We want everybody here at Greater Alton to understand the true message of the Gospel. Now, you may look at that as rudimentary or simple. But guys, we, I, I just gotta share with you my personal experience about why I think it's so vital that we look at the Gospel. I've been an elder here at Greater Alton since 2012. And in that time frame, my understanding of the Gospel has grown. I've been very open about this from up here, uh, over the past couple of years. Specifically, the number one way was with regards to the resurrection and what the resurrection means. And I had to confess that when I shared my faith with people, when I studied the Bible with people, I spent virtually no time talking about the resurrection. And generally, when you talk about the resurrection, or you hear the word resurrection, you're thinking about Jesus resurrecting from the dead. Yes, that is significant, but it's the beginning of the resurrection. Where the Bible tells us Jesus resurrecting from the dead is proof that we are all going to raise from the dead one day. Whether we're good or whether we're evil, we're all, and then, then we'll be judged. We'll be raised from the dead and we'll receive new bodies. And that excites me. Okay? I want a new body. At the age of 54, I want a new one. But I looked at that and I go, I don't talk about it. And I, I've, I've repented of that. I've changed my thinking. And I talk about the resurrection. I share about the resurrection. And people get nauseated hearing me talk about the resurrection. But I think it's important. I've also learned that part of, a big, big part of the, of the gospel message is that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay? Now, yeah, right. Duh. Obvious. Can you, how much can you tell me about the prophecies of the Messiah from the Old Testament? You see, guys, in Acts chapter 2, when the gospel is first preached, one of the main messages is Jesus is the Messiah. Now you have to understand to the audience that Peter was speaking to, when he said Jesus is the Messiah, they knew exactly what that meant. Or let me rephrase that. They had a very good idea what that meant. Okay? You, you just do a search in your, in your, in the Gospels, in the first, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, for the word Messiah, and you'll find out they were anticipating the Messiah. They were expecting the Messiah. They were excited about the Messiah showing up. I think it's important that we understand why. That it wasn't just about getting our sins forgiven and going to heaven. There was so much more involved with Jesus as the Messiah. And again, it's one of those areas where I continue to study because I've neglected it. I didn't understand the complete Gospel. Third area, which we talked about last summer, is the Holy Spirit. And I did mention the Holy Spirit when I shared my faith with people, but it was just given you know, a token, token amount. 
And the gift of the Holy Spirit was kind of like a gift that I put on the shelf. And I didn't pay enough attention to it. I didn't realize what an incredible gift the Holy Spirit is and what it's meant to do and how it is to be involved in the transformation of my life and how I can utilize that. So there's no way I could communicate that to anybody else that way. And so guys, I look at this as my personal conviction where if you would have asked me five years ago about my understanding of the Gospel, I'm going to have to tell you right now, it was not the true message of the Gospel. It was incomplete. And so guys, we want to look at this over the next six weeks and be talking about this. Now you may ask the question, why does God care about my understanding of the truth or the complete message of the Gospel? What we want to talk about today, the first thing we want to talk about is that early Christians turned to a different Gospel. Alright? They turned to a different Gospel. There's a game that they play with teenagers. Sometimes it's called Telephone. You familiar with this game? You get kids in a circle or in a line and you tell the first one something and they're supposed to whisper in the next person's ear exactly what the first person said. Okay? And by the time they get to the round the circle or to the end of the line, as most of you know, the message is greatly distorted. Okay? You can play this. You don't have to be with teenagers to play this or to see this. All you have to do is listen to somebody telling you something that someone else said, especially if it's third or fourth hand information, and then go to the source. Go back to the person who originally started the conversation or originally did something, and I would bet very good money that the message you heard third or fourth hand is different than the first hand information. And guys, this is the reality of life, that things tend to change and evolve, especially messages like this. And so when you go to, you think you go to the, to the, to the first Christians, they're gonna have it alright, right? I mean, that's the source. These are the people closest to the apostles who were sharing the gospel for the first time. But when you look in Galatians chapter 1, this is what you read. In verses 6 and 7. Paul's talking. Paul's the same one who wrote to the Colossians. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. You see, guys, what's he saying? These are, these are people who heard the true message of the gospel, and now Paul's saying, listen, you've turned to a different gospel. It's, and, and, and you need to understand, guys, different gospel equals no gospel. Different gospel equals a perverted gospel. How does something get perverted or changed? It's where it's different. Well, there's one of two ways. Either something is taken away from it, or something is added to it. I had a little bit of an experience with this this morning. Okay, I told you last night we pulled off a surprise birthday party for my daughter, and part of the, the guise of getting her there, I'll spare you all the details for time's sake, but I had her buy me an extra large cup of my favorite iced tea, unsweetened from Quick Trip, 
and she brought it home. And last night before I went to bed, I sweetened it with stevia, you know, because I'm trying to stay away from sugar. I don't do a good job, but I try. And so this morning I get up and I'm, I'm cooking my breakfast and what am I going to drink? I've already had my coffee for the morning. I've got this tea. Now you understand, this thing is, is huge, 52 ounces. And I look in the refrigerator and I cannot find it. You know, and I think, well, maybe somebody knocked it out. So I look in the trash and look for the cup. No. Do you know where my iced tea was at? My nieces spent the night last night. And they found it in their room with over half of it gone. Well, now 52 ounces. I still get enough. I put ice in my cup. I pour it into my cup. And as I'm eating my breakfast, I decide it's time to take a drink. And I take a drink. And my iced tea has been perverted. Someone added sugar to my iced tea and it has now become syrup. It is a total... I wish I had pancakes. I just poured it on and we'd been good. But Guys, that's how things become perverted. Things get added to them and things get taken away from them. And guys, I just got to tell you, that's what happened to the Gospel in Galatia. It got changed. Specifically, what happened was some folks who were of the Jewish faith before they became Christians, they were, they were now Christians, and there were some, some uh, uh, non-Jewish people, Gentiles or Greeks as they were commonly referred to, had become Christians. And the Jews had this great moral code that they lived by and considered themselves to be morally above the Gentiles and above the Greeks. And in general... They were. In general, that's true. Okay? But all of a sudden they see this and they see the Greeks, the Gentiles, struggling to, 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 to live these moral lives. And so they say, they're not obeying the law. This stuff about Jesus is good, but we need to go back and grab the, these parts of the law and make it a part of the gospel too. Specifically, you guys need to be circumcised. If you're not circumcised, you're not really a follower of Jesus. And by the way, there's these other laws about the Sabbath. You know, you've got to follow them too. And Paul's going, no, 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 no. You've missed it, guys. You've added to the gospel. And it's no gospel at all. That's not good news that now you're saved and you've got to follow all these rules. It is good news that you have a Holy Spirit that will guide you away from from, from immoral living. But the law is not the way to do it. That is what he's talking about here, specifically. It's a different gospel, and we're going to learn in a a little bit that the Colossians were in danger of that also. Alright? But guys, there's a, there's a note there on your, on your notes. And I just want to know, guys, there's a note that guys, there are different gospels being preached today too. Did you know that? Turn on your TV. And you will see it. One of the most Popular ones or famous ones of the last 30 years is what's commonly referred to as the health and wealth gospel. Maybe you've heard that. That if you are a true follower of Jesus, you will have good health and wealth. I am not a true follower of Jesus. According to that. Alright? And 
I mean, there's so many verses in the Bible that just teach the complete opposite of that. Jesus just flat said, in this life you will have many troubles. James said, the brother in humble circumstances, meaning poor, should take pride in his high position. Totally contradict the health and wealth gospel. There's another one called name it and claim it. Alright? You name it, you name that blessing and you claim it and it's yours. I saw the, uh, back when I followed college basketball, the Indiana Hoosiers were in the NCAA championship final championship game on Monday night and the coach, uh, who was a, a professing Christian, he was just a, a temporary coach. He did get the permanent job after the season was over, but he said, I've already claimed the victory. They lost. And, and guys, that's just, that's just not how it works. You know, Jesus did say, whatever you ask for in my name, the Father's going to give you. But what he's saying is, in his name means he agrees with. It doesn't mean whatever you want. Because if it does, I'd have the lottery numbers. Okay? It's a different gospel. You know, the name it and claim it, I like to call it the blab it and grab it. But guys, that's a different gospel. There's also the, the, the grace only movement where you're saved by grace and it don't matter what you do from there on. You can live any way you want. You can ignore the parts of the Bible that talk about being involved with the church. You've been saved. And it can never go away from you. And then guys, there is, there is just like in Galatia, we have a little bit different version of it. It's not Judaism the way we're familiar with it, but it is a rules-based religion. Christianity, gospel. I can't tell you how many times somebody's come to Greater Alton, they've been to other churches, they believe in Jesus, and they basically want to sit down and say, what are your rules? What do you say about drinking a beer while I barbecue? They want to know the rules. And that is, I believe that is, that is tempting, as we're going to talk about in a minute. No matter what church you go, go to, it is very tempting to make following Jesus about following rules. Now, don't get me wrong there, and I'm going to talk about this as we progress into the series. Alright? So don't, don't sit there and go, well, Gary says you can do whatever you want. There's no rules. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you're living by the Holy Spirit, when you're letting the Holy Spirit lead your life, you don't need a rule to tell you what to do and what not to do. That's what I'm telling you. And we'll go, go a little farther here in a minute. Because there are different Gospels out there today. So the early Christians turned to a, had this struggle. They turned to a different Gospel. Uh, the second reason that I believe God cares about my understanding of the true message of the Gospel is that I can be deceived. I can be deceived. There's several passages in the Bible that talk about this. You know, John 8, uh, Jesus is talking to a group and they just flat think one. Jesus is telling them they're wrong and they flat say, no, I'm right. They're deceived. Even though they were following God the best way that they knew how. And you see, guys, we just talked about the Galatian church and how they, they followed a different gospel. And you talk about the Colossian church in Colossians chapter 1. He's holding them up for the way they've grabbed a hold of the message of the gospel. 
and they believed it and how it's changed their lives. And then, but then you go over to Colossians chapter 2 in verses 6 through 8, and this is what it says. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Here we go. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Okay, listen, what's he saying to these guys? These Colossians, they're believers. He's held them up. He's talked about how they grabbed the hold of the Gospel. Why is he warning them about this? Because deception is possible. That's what he's saying, guys. Make sure you are not deceived. Who has ever been tricked? Yeah, we tricked Jesse last night. We tricked her. It's, I don't have time to tell you. It was, it was a very elaborate plan. And we got her good. And I'm very proud of myself because I masterminded the whole thing. It's fun to deceive people. <laughs> But you see, guys, the Colossians are being warned here not to fall prey to the same thing that the Galatians did. Let me read you this passage. And this is not in uh, your notes. It's in Colossians chapter 2. It begins in verse 16 if you want to jot that down so you can read it on your own or if you want to follow along in your Bible. But this is what it says. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen, they are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Now I'm going to stop right there. i got more to read, but I just want to, I want to let you know, guys, and I don't know if you caught this. And I don't know if he's talking specifically about people at Colossae or other Christians in other places, but he's saying there are people who have been deceived. He says they've lost connection with the head. Jesus is the head of the body. From whom the whole body supported and held together as God causes it to grow. He's not just talking about somebody outside of Christianity, outside of the faith. He's talking about people who are believers losing connection with Jesus. He goes on and he says, Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Now here's the kicker. 
It says, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the Bible. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. See guys, what he's talking about there is how easy it is to be deceived to the fact that we need to follow rules. That we need rules to follow Jesus. Now again, I'm going to expound upon this because I know that sounds like you can do whatever you want, doesn't it? Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But what is he saying here? These rules have the appearance of wisdom. They make it look like they're a good thing, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. He's just flat saying, guys, rules are not the way to be like Jesus. That's it. But it is such a temptation. I mean, we could talk for weeks about this in all honesty. And, and we, I'm sure we'll have many discussions about this as we go on. But guys, we've, we've got to address ourselves. We understand we can be deceived. Third thing, guys, is that I can know the true gospel. Now, I, I, I should have worded that different, so I'm going to ask you to write something underneath that. And that is that God expects me to know the true Gospel. And you can reference it with 1 Peter 3.15 because this is what it says. It says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now if God is expecting me and you to be ready at a moment's notice to give a reason, a valid explanation for the hope that we have. Don't you think He expects you to understand what the real message of the Gospel is? The true message of the Gospel? Guys, that's what He's talking about. You've got to know it. That's why we want to go through to begin the year. Okay, moving on. Guys, in preparing for this, how do I believe the true message of the Gospel? Number one is I decide to be a seeker of truth. Well, duh. That sounds kind of simple. Yes, it does. It's very easy to not be a seeker of truth. Let me put it that way. Look at this in Romans. Let's read these two passages, then we're going to talk about a movie, a famous line from a movie. Romans chapter 2, it says, God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Okay? You reject the truth, it's not a good thing. You go on in John chapter 7, and this is what Jesus had to say. He says, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. 
But he who seeks the glory of the One who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Y'all remember the movie A Few Good Men? What's the most famous line from that movie? That's it! You can't handle the truth. Now can I tell you, when it comes to following Jesus, I believe there's a lot of people, it's not they can't handle the truth. They don't want the truth. They don't seek the truth. And so guys, this is what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about decide to be a seeker of truth. Be open to being wrong about some stuff. Be open to the fact there's more to learn. That God has more to offer than what you understand. Okay? Do you want the truth? That's a good question to ask. It really is. And guys, this really, side note, but this has implications beyond just understanding the Gospel. This has, under, this has implications in your everyday life. Do you want to know the truth? When you decide that you're going to be a seeker of truth, it will change the way you interact with people and it will eliminate drama from your life. I mean that, guys. How, many, how, how much drama goes away when you go to the source instead of, hearing thir- instead of basing your feelings and emotions and opinions off third-hand information? I can't tell you. I mean, it is, I decided this years ago. And it's still with me today where I find myself in a conversation and I'm talking, well, somebody did something or somebody said something and I've got to go, eh, we don't know if that's true. I don't think we should make a judgment until we talk to that person. You know, we have our own version of uh, telephone in our family. It's Jonathan and Emily talk. Emily and Susan talk. Susan and Gary talks. And I have made a decision. I don't make a judgment till I talk to Jonathan. I want to hear the other side of the original conversation. I mean, we're good parents. We're involved in our kids' lives. We're trying to, to, to be involved and offer advice and assistance and, and guide them through the, the early years of marriage and life. But I've got to have accurate information if I'm going to go off of it. Guys, I want to be a seeker of truth. Do you? I'm just asking you to choose it. To choose it. Second thing, guys is if I'm going to be understand the true message of the Gospel, I need to include God in my seeking. I am horrendously guilty of trying to live out God's will in my life without asking Him for help. I am like my son Jordan when he was two years old and we were at the swimming pool and he would push away. He didn't want me to hold him in the swimming pool. So I'd push, I'd let him go. He'd go, you know, underwater. 
you know, and I'd let him struggle for a few seconds, and then I'd grab a hold of him, he'd come up coughing and spitting water, wiping out of his eyes, you know, and hold this. But as soon as he got his eyes clear and his lungs clear, you know what he did? Pushed away. And guys, that is, that is the way I am with God. Just this week I was saying, God, here I go again. I'm trying to live what you want me to live. I'm trying to do your will. And I'm stressed because I'm not including you. And so guys, when you come to this, I'm asking you to include God in that. If you're going to be a seeker of truth and you say to God, God, will you show me what's right and where I'm wrong and what I don't know? He will answer that prayer. I will promise you that. You might not like His answers. And that's why I'm saying if you are a lover of truth, admitting you are wrong about something is exciting because you're finding truth. And you're finding potentially where you've been deceived. Where you've been tricked. And so guys, I want to ask you this week to begin praying for God to show you the true message of the Gospel. And to include in that prayer to ask Him, say, Show me what I don't know and show me where I'm wrong. Show me where I'm wrong. That's what the Bible calls humility. Alright? And that is something that God blesses. Include God in the, in the situation. Um, third thing, guys, uh, that we want to do is I check out what I'm taught. I check out what I'm taught. If you've been around Greater Alton for more than 10 minutes, you're probably familiar with this passage in Acts 17. Verses 11 and 12. If you've studied the Bible with somebody at Greater Alton, they probably shared this verse with you very early on. This is what it says. It says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Guys, when we study this with people, we give them what we call the Berean challenge. To be like a Berean and to check out what we teach you. And guys, I want to ask you right now to be a Berean yourself. To take the Berean challenge and to examine not only what we're saying up here on Sunday mornings, but to also examine what you teach. I uh, posted posted a, a document on the uh, Greater Alton, our core leadership's Facebook page two days ago. All by myself, I might add. I couldn't get my wife to do it. She made me pony up and learn how to do it. And that's a monumental event for Gary. But what I did was I posted a letter and I just asked our core leaders in preparation for this series to jot down, just to do bullet note, bullet, bullet points. You don't need to do an 
eight-page study. But just to give bullet points of what you share with someone when you're sharing the Gospel. What do they need to know? And guys, I ask you to do that so that you can examine what have you added or what have you left out. To look at it very closely and and just to be open about it. To be a real seeker of truth. And guys, I just want to, I want to tell you, I, I sent that letter to them early. I'm asking everybody here to do that. To examine what you think the Gospel is. And for some of you in the room, you may have never tried to do this. You may have never sat down and said, well, these are the things I think are important. Do it. I ask you to do it. Because we're going to be talking about the elements of the Gospel over the next five weeks. And I want to make sure that we understand the true message of the Gospel. You see, guys, we have something... How many of you text? Oh, that's a stupid question. I'm sorry. I should have asked how many of you don't text. When it comes to texting, there is something called autocorrect. Are you familiar with it? And what it is, is you're typing along, and typically you misspell something, and autocorrect goes, oh, this is what you must have been meaning to say. And it chooses a word that's supposed to be close. And you can come up with some pretty humorous things. Now, how many of you have ever done that and then you try to correct, you type the correct word and it still grabs the other word? Have you done that? That happens. I love it. I had a phone. Uh, I'm going to go back to it. I'm, I'm sorry, iPhone users, but I had an Android that was better. And one of the things it would do, yeah, I've started an argument now. One of the things it would do is it would go, oh, it would learn how you, it would learn the way you wanted things. Like, uh, on my, uh, in the car wash business, we, at the self-serve, we refer to the automatic car wash as the ACW. Alright? And so, and you capitalize those, ACW. And so, it knows I use this term regularly, so I hit capital A, and, and ACW is a choice. Or if I put it in lowercase, it goes, oh, you meant to capitalize that. You know, it's kind of nice, right? Do you know that we got autocorrect in our brains too? Yeah, we do. But most of the time, the way it works is we think we know something, and so when we read it in the Bible, we go, oh, that's what it means. Without looking to see if it really means something else. You know, one of the things that, that, uh, that I'm a, I want us to challenge us to look at, I talked with the, with the earlier session about it, is I'm guessing if you've ever studied the Bible with someone, you've shared about heaven and hell to some extent. You've talked about it. I know I have. And I know that when I've talked about heaven... I don't use a single verse. We just talk about it. And if I do use a verse, I use a verse that says eternal life. Well, that's what I get. That's not where I get it. You see the difference? And so guys, I just want to encourage you. Look at what the Bible has to say. Jot down what you think. 
what you believe. And let's examine it as we go on. You see, guys, I was watching a video this week, and it was talking about how to share the gospel. And it talks about, and it was it was a, it was a very good video, uh, very good very good lesson by this by this gentleman. Um, but here's some statements he, he made. He says we need to cultivate something inside of us so that we talk about Jesus. He says it's easy to talk about something we love. There's an overflow that just happens when you love something. You care about clearing up misunderstandings, about addressing distorted ideas people have. When you talk about something you love, it's not weird. It's natural. He goes on, he says, I will naturally talk about whatever fascinates, challenges, and inspires me. Guys, I just want to tell you, as I'm closing out here today, that's what the Gospel should do. We should love Jesus. We should love the Gospel. And it should captivate us and be such good news that it is just natural to share. And guys, that's where I want Greater Alton to be. One of the, the question was asked last week, what is Greater Alton known for? And the answer came back, treats from the trunk, and events. I believe in years gone by, we were known as a church that was evangelistic, that shared our faith. I believe that's true. And I want to get back to there, but I want to get back to it in a different way. I don't want to get back to it through printing invitations and expecting people to invite. I want to get back to it, to every person understanding the Gospel and being able to naturally share that and being excited about it. That's what I want Greater Alton to be known for. So guys, as we close out today, I encourage you to jot down the Gospel. I ask you to. And let's go through this together. Let's pray, shall we? Father, it is exciting to talk about Your Gospel. This is something that is becoming very natural for me and I am very excited about. Father, just to be able to go through life and to be involved in a conversation and to see an opportunity to share my faith, to share about Jesus, to share why I do what I do, how I'm able to avoid the stress of life, the way I'm able to help people. Because I'm just trying to be like Jesus. And that's what You've called me to be. Father, it's fun. It's natural. It's exciting. Father, I want Greater Alton to be known for this. Father, I want Greater Alton to be known for our faith the way the Colossian church was known for their faith. So Father, I pray that You guide us in our pursuit. You help us to understand the true message of the Gospel and to accept it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.